Welcome to the Living Hope Podcast. Living Hope Fellowship is a church located in Lexington, Kentucky. You'll find that we're more than just a church, but we're also a family. You can learn more about the ministries of Living Hope Fellowship at www.lhfellowship.com. Now, here's today's message. So, the indwelling presence of God. Today, part two, we're going to look at And uh, as we look at that, we're going to look at the same verse as our jump-off verse. We'll do that every week, but that Colossians 1.27. This idea that we could get our mind wrapped around the importance and depth of this idea, that God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. And it is a mystery for me, I don't know about for you, but that God could somehow take up residence in human flesh, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so if you remember, we talked briefly about this idea. Uh, I think Henry Drummond does a great job with it about trying to help us understand that somehow God desires you and I to give glory to Him in our lives. And you think about that, that word, that's really difficult for us to get our minds wrapped around that. How can you give glory, which is the representation and reflection of all of God's character, how can you do that? By Christ in you. It's the hope of your ability to give glory to God. It's not just the hope of an eternity with God someday down the road. That's, man, that's part of the package. I'm just telling you throughout Christianity, we've gotten this a little bit messed up, and we've made that the main thing. The main thing is that you get to have a relationship with God Almighty. And it just happens to bring along with it a sweet by and by. A mansion on a hillside and all that other good stuff. (laughs) That you could have some kind of a personal, intimate relationship with the God that created all that there is. And that you get to experience it now. Not just when you get there. That's what we're talking about. So this idea that that God would do that, that he would take up residence in you. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 1, it's spelled out a little more clearly for us that in uh, chapter 1, verse 13 lets us know that in God indwelling you in Christ, He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's how He's done it. That's how He's indwelt your life. We realize, we're smart enough to know, that somehow another physical being didn't climb inside our physical being, right? Uh, We realize what's really happened here is that God has, through the Spirit of God, come and taken up residence in us. And last, last week, that's what we spent a lot of our time about. We talked a lot about the idea that God wants to take up residence in us and that in taking up that residence, there's some important things we ought to understand. Who can remember anything that sticks out in your mind from last week about that? What's some of the basic important information about God's coming to take up residence in you? Boy, that's the... T- That's the big ticket right there. He's the owner. When he comes to take up residence in you, he does not come to be a tenant. (laughs) He comes to be the owner. And you've got to learn to see that in the very positive light. Because we have a tendency to not see it in the positive light. We feel like something's been taken away from us. Our ownership is gone. That's exactly right, but that's a good thing. It's a really good thing. And so as we get that crystal clear, knowing him as the owner in our life, then we can begin to understand how to walk in that relationship with him as the owner and choose to not allow ourselves to somehow resurrect a dead body that's supposed to be dead and gone and fight against him. But we learn to maintain that idea. No, my flesh is dead. I have no ownership here. Christ owns this house. We looked at the verses in Corinthians that talks about that, and it's very clear about that for us to get a hold of. So, God has now taken up residence in us as an owner to help us have a relationship with him by indwelling us with his personal presence. I want to reference a few books here. I told Derek, I said, we're going to cover all these today. Uh, <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing that. As you can tell, they've been read a few times. These are... These are just a few books. I'm just going to give you an encouragement to, if you want to learn more about this topic, 
The Bible is always the source of all biblical knowledge for us. But sometimes God lays on the heart of individuals that have been called by Him to put together thoughts about one particular topic that come directly from the Word of God. So the only way I'm referencing this, these books to you is because I know that's what they've done. They have taken a topic that's important, and they found everything they could in the Bible about that topic, and then communicated it to somebody who might read it. Okay? So some of the books that have impacted me greatly on this topic over the years have been by several authors that I think are, are pretty solid. Uh, Peter Lord, How to Hear God, that's one of them. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders, some of y'all heard about him? A lot of his books are, are dealing with the depth of the relationship with God. Another guy, Gene Edwards, this book, 100 Days in a Secret Place. It's about knowing how to have a relationship with God. Peter Lord, as I referenced earlier, when he got in his 70s, he made a comment to me, I know, and he made it to other people. He said, if I had the opportunity to do my ministry over, I would give all of my energy to helping people know what it means to have a relationship with God and communicate with Him clearly. And so in his late 70s, he put together a series of study books. We have them here. If you want these, you can get them. But he talked about first knowing who you are, your identity in Christ, and then getting to know God as the Son, Jesus Christ. Getting to know God as the Holy Spirit. Getting to know God as your Father. I, that was impressive to me to hear him say, after 40 years of ministry, he wished that he'd spend all of his time on that. Because out of that comes everything else. Another great author, uh, you've heard about him through me and through others, I'm sure, but Watchman Nee, all about releasing the Holy Spirit in your life, knowing how to have a relationship with him by living in the spirit man, not in the fleshly man. Great books to get a hold of. Um, of course, you all know of late you hear a lot about me from uh, about Andrew Murray. Just about everything he writes is about the internal relationship with God. Waiting on God, humility, which is really all about learning how to experience humility internally through Jesus Christ. With Christ through the school of prayer is another one. Holiness is another one. Uh, of late, I, I've enjoyed uh, a book called Masters in Dwelling. It's another one. So just about everything you hear from him is going to be about that. I think I just referenced several of those in my hands. Life's Ultimate Privilege. We've got four books by Fromke, three books, excuse me, by Fromke, but that first one is all about relationship and hearing the Holy Spirit. Then there's tons of books by a guy named Ian Bounds. Anybody ever heard of him? But Ian Bounds is all about tell, uh, teaching us and helping us how to have a communication relationship from our perspective to God. We're going to talk about two things today as it relates to the indwelling presence of God. The, the overall canopy is that God desires to have a relationship with us and that his desire is to have a communication with us in that relationship. So as it relates to part two this morning, part one, part one being full ownership, part two now being for the purpose of communication. God indwells us. The indwelling presence of God is for the purpose of our ability to have a communication link to the Father. Without it, you're not going to have it. You're not, and I use the word communication carefully, and I'm going to reference that. And I only have two points today. Good news for you. The second one's really, really long. Bad news for you. But, <laughs> but the, common, uh, the, the commentary is going to be about communication, not just speaking. Because everybody can speak to God, right? I mean, when you first come to God, you come in your choice to speak to Him in reference to requesting a relationship with Him. But after you have that relationship with Him, it's to be more than just speaking, it's to be communicating. What's the difference in speaking and communicating? What's that? Listening is involved in communication. What did you say, John? One-on-one, -on -one, it's a close, intimate relationship. So, so there's more than just noise here going on, right? But there's interaction. There's receiving, hearing and receiving and offering. God wants a communication relationship with you, not just the ability for you to be able to dictate a list of requests to Him. Now, I'm pausing because I know what's happened in most of Christianity. 
In most of Christianity, 98% of your communication with God is about you dictating a, relation, a, a request list to him. How would you feel if your best friend, that was the only way they talked to you? <laughs> Do you feel real good about that? <laughs> we wouldn't, would we? A communication involves give and take, right? It involves listening and it involves communicating from my heart and receiving from their heart. So we're going to be getting our minds wrapped around all that somewhat, if we can, this morning and talking about communication. Well, let me just touch on that first point that we're going to look at. The indwelling presence of God enables a man or mankind, not leaving you out, ladies, don't intend to, to communicate with God. I don't know about you. I mean, just to say that boggles my mind. The creator of the entire universe as we know it wants to communicate with you. What? Yeah. That's how much he loves us. That's what he desires in relationship with us. And so if we get our mind wrapped around that, first let's talk about how God enables you to communicate with him. See, God knows we're messed up. Did you know that? <laughs> and he knows that if we don't get our mind wrapped around this thing rightly, every bit of our communication with him will be all about us. <laughs> and, and that's all we'll be able to dwell on. And he knows that. So to help us with that, he indwells us with his presence and help us to understand that it's much, much deeper than that. The scripture talks about it in Romans at one point this way, that when we're praying, communicating with God, that the Spirit intercedes for us in such a way that it's like groanings too deep to utter. Now, that's hard for us to really get our mind wrapped around. But those of you that know what I'm talking about and walking with the Lord in a deep spiritual relationship know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had those times in your life and, and just poured out your heart to God that you just didn't have words. And you just found yourself before the Lord depending fully on Him to communicate in ways that you can't possibly. We hear this phrase in the Bible, and I'm referencing some Scripture because I'm going to be covering a lot of Scripture today. So I have to just reference some of it. But we have this verse that talks about us praying without ceasing. Now how does that work if your mind is only wrapped around the idea that praying is about you stopping and pausing and getting in your closet and reading off your prayer list to God? Can't do that 24-7, can you? But with an indwelling presence of God that enables you to communicate with Him at all times, you can do that. Even as you're driving down the road. How many of y'all had some pretty good times talking to God driving down the road? Yeah. I mean, how does that happen? You're supposed to be, why aren't you paying attention to the road? Well, I, I am, but somehow or another, with this presence of God indwells me, I'm able to communicate with God even while I'm doing that. That praying without ceasing is possible. We can experience relationship with Him and communication with Him nonstop if we want to. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Now, who's that? That's not everybody. Remember yet last week I said God doesn't, God's not residing in everybody? <laughs> We're talking about the righteous. Well, who are the righteous? Only those that are made righteous, how? Through Christ Jesus. And by him, now this, I'm going to mess with some of your theology. We've been talking around here, y'all know where the issue is that we're really saints, not sinners. God gave us a new title in the Lord. Here's what the Word of God says about you that have given your heart to Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, how can that be said? Indwelling presence of God. That's how that can be said. By the work that Christ did for me. Don't let the devil beat you up and tell you you're not worth anything. You're worth a lot. Pretty high price was paid for you. And in his doing that, he, he redesigns you 
after the image of his firstborn son. And in so doing, he made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so as one of those that is righteous in Christ Jesus, his eyes are toward you. His ears attend to your prayer. It's a different, it's a different relationship than it was before then. He has that ear bent toward you. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. There is a different relationship in humanity between those who know Christ, have a relationship with God in Him, and those who don't. And one of the things is that the indwelling presence of God enables you to learn how to communicate with God in a way that you couldn't in any other way. Now, we go through the Word of God, and it's full of expressions and calls to prayer. I mean, the Bible talks about it in many places, and, and the, the, the fact that we are always calling out to God. Jesus even told us that there are certain ways that we ought to consider praying and communicating with God. In, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, we have a, a basic diagram there on how to talk to God, and, and we're not going to preach all that stuff. You'll just go look at it and read it, and you find out you honor the Father, you desire His kingdom, you convey your needs, you seek a humble heart of forgiveness and willingness to forgive, you stand in opposition to the ways of the enemy, you acknowledge God's authority. All of that is part of your communication with God in your praying. And so Jesus says, go and re recite this prayer. That's not what he said. He said, go pray this way. And so you want to break down that to understand, well, what is this way? It's the things I just stated. In Psalm chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, there's a, another concept there given to us as we think about the man of the old testament probably most noted than anyone else in the old testament about how to have a heart relationship with god a deep communication with god we see there in david giving us these words give ear to my words O lord consider my groaning heed the sound of my cry for help my king my god for i for to you i pray in the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. That's the heartbeat of the person who experiences the indwelling presence of God. One that has come to that place of awareness of, of needing his desire. And David didn't even know the half of it <laughs> like we do because of the work of the Holy Spirit of us in the New Covenant, in us in the New Covenant. So this idea of man communicating with God is an idea that should be happening all the time, not just in the morning. Not, hey, by the way, not just before you eat. Sometimes that's not even being done anymore, right? <laughs> but it should be a constant, a constant awareness, a constant communication, a constant relationship. You know, you can, I'm doing that right now while I'm talking to you. In my head, I'm going through some other things because I know on whom I am dependent. And, and that's the way it needs to develop in our relationship with God. That What we do, we do because of who He is in us. Uh, uh, Brother Lawrence, another book I could reference on the same idea of relationship, gave the great lesson about practicing the presence of God. What was that all about? Learning how to communicate with God through the presence of the Holy Spirit within. And so one of the major issues in that book was about how he would, he would as a friar at the, at the monastery, whose job was to wash dishes because they didn't think he was smart enough to be a theologian, and yet he's the only guy remembered <laughs> out of that place. <laughs> He would be washing the dishes and praying and talking to God as he washed the dishes. Seeing his washing of the dishes as a service to God, not to the monks. He was practicing the presence of God in relationship and communication. We could go on and on and on and on. So many scriptures relating to this side of the communication relationship where we ought to be walking in such an understanding that our relationship with God is not about lists, though it encompasses that. Please don't misunderstand me. Isn't it a great thing that God gives us the privilege to bring our petitions, our requests, our needs before Him? That's a wonderful thing. But please do not limit it to that. The indwelling presence of God calls for much more than that out of you. He calls for relationship for desire to communicate, for hunger and depth of intimacy and relationship with Him. And that's what He yearns for in us. Psalm 139, 
verse 8 reminds us that this can happen by just telling us whether you ascend to the heavens, he's there. Whether you make your bed in Sheol, he's there. Jesus reminds us in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 28, I want you to know as you go out to do my work, you're going to be teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you now and then when I have time. Doesn't say that, does it, Barbara? No, no. I'm with you always. Always. Did you know that most people in their habitual relationship with God check in on Sunday morning and check out at 12? They check back in with him next week if they have time. Or maybe because they was raised to pray before they eat, they check in with him when they eat. Or maybe if some kind of tragedy might happen in life, they'll check with him about then too. But if you took away the needs of their life, there wouldn't be much communication going on between them and God. And that is sad. That is really missing out on what the relationship is really all about. All of that's part, don't misunderstand, all of that's welcomed, God desires to bless you. That's part of who he is. But he wants you to know, he, there is a friend that is closer than a brother. He wants you to know that he is a most present help in your life, in time of need and at all times. But let's talk about the other part. This is the part that I'd like us to get a hold of because most often than not, our list is about requests, and most often than not, if we are being honest, we make a request, but then we don't listen for a response. We, we make a request without, you know, without any idea that God might have an answer to us. <laughs> Obviously, many times he does. But then when he does, how are we to know what it is? How do we know if it's, us just kind of dreaming up something or does God actually speak to us I mean I know there's a a lot of craziness going out about this kind of topic right but is there anything in the word of God that's not craziness that really helps us know that in this communication relationship with God where God indwells us with his personal presence that he really wants to uh, we use the words what are the, some of the phrases we use when we talk about hearing from God we talk about being led by him, right? Well, what's that if you're not hearing him? How can you be led by him if you're not hearing him? We talk about knowing his word that guides us. We're going to get into that. And he guides that. But what about issues? Let me ask you this. Has anybody in here ever prayed for God to give him wisdom on something that wasn't clearly explained in the Bible of what to do? Boy, I do, I do a lot. I mean, for example, okay? For example, Let's just make this church an, an example. 25 years ago, I didn't know if I was supposed to start Living Hope Fellowship or not. And there's nowhere in here that says, hey, Chris, leave the place you're in and go start Living Hope Fellowship. How was I supposed to find that out? Well, the, the Bible says to preach the word. Well, I was already preaching the word. I mean, I'm just giving you a, a practical illustration. Don't we all have some of that in our life in so many ways? God, would you show me what to do about this? God, would you help me with this issue? God, would you tell me what you want me to do about this issue? And we, we present all that to God, and oftentimes we do that and then never take the time to, to have a hearing ear to what he might want us to do. We make the prayer, and then we kind of go out and figure it out, and we say, well, you know, that was God directing me. Was it? Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It depends on your communication and relationship with God. Well, we're going to talk some more about that. Hey, did you know that this is even covered in the Old Testament? Did you know there's stuff about this even in the book of Job? Yeah, let's look at this verse. In Job chapter 33, verse 14. And by the way, before we start reading that, let me just say this. Just a couple of phrases that we've used throughout the years. It's just reminding us that what I'm talking about is very valid within the Word of God. Phrases like this, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. Phrases like, uh, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Hmm. Or, you know, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Or we say stuff like, the Lord showed me, or the Lord told me. Or, you know, phrases that we've used within the kingdom of God. 
Or we have a peace somehow about the matter. The peace that passes all understanding. Aren't they, if we really break it down, aren't those all expressions of God somehow saying something to me? I mean, every one of them are. So we don't, it's not that this is a new topic for any of us. We all know that somehow God speaks to humanity. And those of us that are in Christ Jesus, he's speaking to us in many ways. Let me just say, I'm going to get to it just so you're not nervous about it. There's no doubt that it's all affirmed and concretely embedded in the covenant testimonial relationship of the Word of God. Never is God going to leave you contrary to his covenantal testimonial relationship with you, okay? So we're going to come back to that. But I just want you to know that even in areas that the Bible doesn't say, hey, Chris, buy this house, that I can still end up with an assurance that somehow God led me to buy that house. And how do I know that? That's what we're talking about this morning. Wouldn't it be good that you could get to a place in your life that you feel strongly confident that you feel like you're being led by God in the things that you do? Wouldn't we want to have that assurance and awareness that we're not just kind of out there winging it on our own, hoping we get it all figured out, but that instead, because of where we are and awareness of the indwelling presence of God, that we somehow realize God's led me this direction? I know all the debates that come with that. They're covered in some of these books. <laughs> They're covered in the Scripture. They're covered in the experience of life. Well, let's get back to this verse. Get back on track a little bit. That was all bonus. You don't have to pay anything extra for that. So, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> in John, I mean, in Job 33, 14 to 18, indeed, God speaks once, or maybe even twice, yet no one notices it. That can happen. Could it be that oftentimes God is speaking and we're not even listening and we don't notice it? In a dream, sometimes he's speaking, he references, a vision of the night when sound sleep uh, falls on men while they slumber in their beds. Then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction, makes it clear to them. I mean, you say that's Old Testament stuff, and the New Testament says, hey, your young men will dream dreams, your old men will see visions. Or no, it's backwards, I had that backwards. But God's still doing that. And listen, I... I'm really tempted to tell my cup of milk story right now. Some of y'all know that story. Where God reminded me at a point in my life that I could, I could hear him through a dream. I'm not saying every dream is a new revelation of some insight in your life with God. But I'm just telling you, that's one of the things that God can do. It's here. Well, maybe I'll use that in another sermon. We'll see. What about 2 Timothy 3.16, because I did say something that's really, really important. The word, which is the written revelation of the very character and presence of God, is a living and sharper, sharp-edged, two-edged sword, the Scripture tells us. And that word that he's presented to us is absolutely the foundational uh, bedrock of his speaking to us in covenantal relationship, covenantal relationship with him. So all of that is to say God will never ever contradict his word so don't ever come to me and say hey god told me to do such and such or god said such and such is okay or god said don't worry about such and such when the word of god is crystal clear about that such and such you can never have that opinion his word will always be the bedrock of the direction of his leading for you but i will say also that he also uses the Spirit of God in normal situations in life. I mean, we can go to Romans 1. God speaks to the nature, right? We, I mean, we can go all over the place where God's speaking through variety of things to humanity. And just don't want us to lose sight of that. But of course, all Scripture in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Timothy 3.16 is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for us for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God will be above reproof, the Scripture tells us. So we know that. Let's just settle that aside, just so you don't have to worry anymore about whether I'm one of these guys who thinks that, you know, the Holy Spirit can direct you contradictory to the Scripture. That will never happen if it's the Holy Spirit. But 
Let's get back to some of that stuff of can God actually speak to us through this indwelling presence of the Spirit in our life? And can God use things in, the life, in our life around us that's not contrary to, contradictory to the Word of God that actually directs us in our relationship with Him? I think He does it all the time. Galatians, uh, I mean, uh, some of the places that I referenced earlier, but Galatians talks about this, reminds us that God is always speaking to us, leading us. We see that in, in chapter 4 and verse uh, 5. We see in Romans 8 that we're to be led by the Spirit of God, as we talked about a little while ago. We see in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4 that this leadership of the Holy Spirit really is, is bringing us to a place of hearing His voice. And really, I think there's a whole other series of sermons here. I'm not going to go there this morning because of time's sake, but I really think this idea of entering into the rest of God it's tightly hinged to this idea of knowing that his presence is within me and that's how come I have the rest. His indwelling presence is guiding me and directing me and so I'm not trying to crank it out of my own strength all the time. So that's a whole other series of sermons. It's hard to not go there right now. <laughs> you know, let's talk about it this way. If this is true... God's leading by the Spirit, we're to walk by the Spirit, and we're to hear His voice, His direction, whatever terms you want to use. How do, how do we grow in that? How do we become more confident of that? How do we know the difference between that and all kinds of other directions and, and influences of, of the world in our life? Well, let's just get very practical and very basic about that. Isn't it interesting you have a young little child like this one right here? that becomes capable of communicating the English language without anybody sitting down and teaching the alphabet to them first. How does that happen? What's that? Listening takes place. Intuition's part of it. What else? Did you know one of the greatest ways to learn a language, you know, if you're going to go on the mission field, you know what they want you to do? They want, they want to take you out to the marketplace and drop you off and say, see you later. Yeah, you adapt, you get immersed in this situation. And now here you go, there's this little toddler running around, can't say a word, goo-goo, gaga, a few of those things now. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're saying all kinds of stuff. And nobody set them down and said, now, honey, I want to teach you the English language this morning. What took place? Relationship took place. Involvement and interaction took place. Here's the biggest thing. Time together took place. Now we're, now we're going from preaching to meddling, I'm telling you. Because what I'm saying to you with this, these comments is this. If you want to learn to be confident and, and assured of the inner dwelling presence of God that's leading you and that you're hearing him guide you in your life daily it's going to require you some time some immersion in relationship with him some time alone with him some familiarity with his character traits some familiarity with the way he's worked with humanity throughout the ages some familiarity with the way he does things throughout history, and as you become familiar with that and also are aware of his indwelling presence and having time in that communication constantly, it's going to grow, and you're going to become more and more and more aware of his leading you. That's what Jeremiah was touching on. Well, let me just say this. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. There's that interaction again requirement from God for you to do your part call out to God requirement from you to let him do his part and you're willing and, and he will answer you and you're willing to hear that and by the way if you do that I'm going to show you some great and mighty things he says in Jeremiah 33 3 so how do I become familiar where it's an immersion issue it's an awareness of time together let me just say this to you there's a beautiful woman sitting on the back row of the church right now. I just had to say that. 
I'm using her for an example if I said that. <laughs> it happens to be my wife back here by the wall. Do you know that uh, sometimes I know what Connie wants without Connie telling me? I mean, that's absolutely true. Sometimes I think I know what she wants, and I don't have a clue. She'll tell you that, too. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I know what she wants without anybody telling me. You know what I'm willing to bet? I'm willing to bet a whole lot of money that I know more about what Connie wants than anybody else in this room. And it's because I spend a lot of time with Connie. We're in tune. You know, I'm vested. I mean, for the rest of my life. I'm vested. And so I put all of my eggs in that basket. And so I've gotten to know her pretty deeply, and she's gotten to know me pretty deeply, and you don't have a clue on how close we know each other. But that's where we have to get in our awareness of relationship with God's presence within us. We have to get to that place that we communicate with God so frequently, so openly, so honestly, so intently that we become that familiar. Do you know, here, I'm going to tell you a sad thing right now. Some people who have known the Lord for 40, 50 years know their spouse better than they know the Lord. I'm going to use a Bible phrase for you. My brother, my sister, these things ought not be so. Because as much as I think I know Connie, I think I know the Lord in my relationship with him more than I know Connie. But it's a wholly different commitment level, different relationship, right? But the same principles, time invested, all my eggs are in that basket. Can't go without that relationship and clarity in relationship. Knowing the leadership of Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of Holy Spirit in your life, is contingent on knowing Him, knowing the Father, knowing the, uh, the way He works through the Son, knowing the revelation of His character, humanity. You can't know the, the will of the indwelling presence within your life that you want the assurance of. We just talked about, right? We all want that. We want to know God's leading us, God's directing us, all these kind of things. We want that, but we can't have that without vesting the time and interest in what we say we want. And so God calls us to himself to do that. Many will say, well, you know, I never hear the voice of God. People talk about the voice of God. I never hear the voice of God. Scripture says he's speaking all the time. What happens? Well, Hebrew 4, 7 happens. Put that up there for a second. Again, he fixes a certain day today saying, though d through David after so long a time, just as has been said before today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's what happens. Another place it says it this way in two or three places in Scripture, we end up grieving the Holy Spirit in some way because we decide it we think important is more important than him. Or we resist him because we know he wants us not to do or to do certain things in our life, but we disregard that and decide we're going to do what we want. Or we quench his desire in our life to be all our sufficiency, and we decide to fill our thirst somewhere else. And so we quench that, and we grieve him. How do you, how do you get past that? You just get honest and you go back to God and you say, God, I'm not where I'm supposed to be on this stuff. I mean, I know your presence is there. I mean, the, do you think that this happens only to bad people? No, this happens to really good people. <laughs> I mean, in the Bible, we see that that happens. Some people can be so in tune with God and the next thing you know, they're not. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the time to go through the passage, but in, in Matthew, that's what happened with Peter. Hey, guys, I'm so glad to be ministering among you. Who do you think people think that I am? Some people say Elijah. Some people say else. Peter says, you're the Lord. You're the Messiah. Hey, Peter, you're right on the money. You didn't get that on your own good, by the way. The Holy Spirit of God revealed that to you. Man, he's on the peak of the pinnacle, right? Read about ten verses later. About ten verses later, Jesus is saying, hey, this is what's going to unfold as I redeem the world. And Peter says, not a chance, Lord. We're not letting anything bad like that happen to you. And, and Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're saying. 
Same guy. In just a short time. Can happen to you too. This is why you have some people who come to the Lord, who choose to be all in and get filled with the Holy Spirit at the beginning of a relationship with God, which I think everybody does at the beginning, but I think immediately gets quenched by most, and often they have to do what happened in the, in the uh, apostle, the book of Acts, to be filled again, freshened again, freshened again, filled, to become under the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, and to be freshly endowed with His power. Not that you get a, a bit more of who God is. I don't think God divides him up the, Himself up that way. But you become full, again, of His influence, His leadership, His indwelling power. And you're not quenching. And you're not resisting. And you're not grieving. And as a result, you end up with this tremendous assurance and confidence of His leadership. I want to close with some scripture here. Two passages, if i got time to read them. You know what I do, because I'm in charge for right now. <laughs> I, I said that carefully right now. By the way, let me just, I'm going to read you a quote first. You know, uh, I am, again, very influenced and, and agreeable to the concept that everything is based and founded in the Word of God. Never have the Holy Spirit leading in contradiction to that. And one of the guys who has propagated that best among us in our day is a guy named John Piper. And he's quoted that side almost always. But let me read you another side of his quote. He says, The second reason that the Bible by itself is not enough to guide us in those paths of righteousness is this. A path of righteousness is doing the right thing with the right attitude or the right motivation. It's not just a bodily action. It's having a right attitude towards your wife as well. But reading words on a page doesn't always change attitudes. You can read over and uh, what you ought to feel like the Bible, like in the Bible. You should read over what you ought to feel like in the Bible a hundred times, and maybe your attitude is just the same as it was. Something else has to come into play. And I think that's why David said, God leads us in paths of righteousness. God leads us in paths of righteousness. And Paul said, all who are led by the Spirit, of, Spirit are the sons of God. We need not only revelation coming to us from outside, namely the Bible. We need transformation coming to us inside from Holy Spirit. The Word and the Spirit together are the leadership that we need. See, we've allowed these things to become separate and they're not. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. And we know that God and the Father are one. God and the Son are one. The Spirit and God are one. They're all the same <laughs> as He works within us in, the, in that essence. So as God calls to us, we have the opportunity to respond to Him. Let me read to you a passage in chapter... Uh, Nine, or chapter 2 of First Corinthians, 9 through 16. Um, did I list that one for you there? First Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. Let me just read it. It's okay. You don't have to put it up there unless you find it. But as it is written, I have not seen nor, hear, near, <laughs> nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even as the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God does. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, boy, this was a great transformational verse for me when I was in college. The natural man receives not the, the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is not judged. Well, how can that be? What do you mean he's not judged? Because the Spirit is at work here. Here's no need. How often is the Spirit of God going to lead you into sin? 
Oh, thanks. It's good. I'm glad you agree on it. He's never going to do that. That's why it says what it says there. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The Spirit himself reveals to us who Jesus is. How did you come to that place? Did you know the, the Word of God says it was the Holy Spirit who wooed you to him? And that's how you came? It's that same Holy Spirit that would like to guide you into walking. It, I mean, I could go on and on on this issue throughout Scripture about the communicable relationship God desires within us by his indwelling presence. Paul talks to the Galatians about it and says, Amen, don't get all confused. You came to God by submission to the Holy Spirit and him leading you to that. Don't think you're going to go out here and figure it all out on your own. You need that same indwelling Spirit to lead you into day-to-day -day understanding of how to walk with him. Are you so bold now that you began in the Spirit that you're going to now be perfected in the flesh? It's just not going to work that way. We have to walk in that same understanding of submission to God's indwelling presence that we did and an awareness that we needed Him in our life to start with. So, you said, Brother Chris, isn't this all just kind of understood? Well, if it is, why do we have Sections in Scripture, like I started this series with last week and that we're going to talk about a lot next week. Why do we have sections of Scripture that says, I'd like to talk to you about some deep spiritual things, but I can't because you're carnal. By now, you ought to be teachers, but you're not. Are you not still fleshly? Why do we have people who could know Jesus for 50 years and still live like the devil? If this is so clear that it's kind of understood, yeah, we've got to follow the Lord in spirit. Why is it that that's not just totally okay everybody's walking tightly with the holy spirit and and following it. it's because it's not happening automatically is it there's somehow some grieving somehow some resisting somehow some quenching and we could all end up there very quickly if we're not careful just like peter did and so what we need to be constantly aware and aware of is that indwelling presence that is constantly drawing us to depth of communication with him as we grip that, as we walk in that, man, it's what God was calling us to the whole time. As we settle into that and it becomes commonplace for us, that's our whole life. The war is over. We're not fighting anymore. We're constantly listening. We constantly want what he wants. If we should mess up, we hear it quickly. He directs us. We get straightened back out. We're going under his leadership. As we get to that place, we enter into, this is why I said they're tied together, we enter into this place of rest in our walk with God. There's no battle. There's no, oh, it's hard to be a Christian anymore. Because that's just who I am. That's what I do. There's no more, oh God, it's hard for me to follow this thing you've called me to. No, it's not. I love to follow that. That's, he's made me a new person and his spirit's directing me and guiding me. I want to be what he wants me to be. It doesn't get any better than that. Those beer commercials are wrong. Hey, I made a joke, man. <laughs> Somehow or another, we get to that place that we really feel like we're resting in submission and relationship to a holy God who initiated it all, made it all possible, because it's what he wanted all along. That we would just walk in harmony and in relationship with him. This is what God's after. This is why he places the Holy Spirit in us. This is the goal. Well, what, what about today? Where are you with that? You know, I mean, obviously, there's always ability for us to go deeper in a sense, right? But I think there's times from time to time we need to do kind of a spiritual heart checkup. And we need to kind of in, be honest with ourselves <laughs> and where we are with God. I mean, does God really have a voice to you? Or is your, is your communication all about your voice to Him? Can God have free reign in directing you and leading you should he choose for you to do something that wasn't on your agenda? Chase and I were talking down at the coffee shop and we were talking about how come, how come not everybody ends up being a preacher? Oh, you mean there's specific directions that God might have for some people and not others? 
And how do we find out about that if we're not really intently seeking God about that? How does any preacher ever become a preacher if he doesn't have the ability to really submit his heart to God and listen to the call? How come so many preachers never become preachers when they should have been preachers? When they get older, they realize that. Because they didn't listen for the call. <laughs> he works both sides there, see? Some of y'all might need to be preachers and you don't know yet. <laughs> So you get what I'm talking about here. I mean, this constant submission and relationship. It's a place of rest that God calls us to so that it's not a shock anymore. It's not like the deer in headlights anymore. It's like, okay, God, I get it. I see what, I see what you're saying to me about this. I could just tell you hours of stories of entering into this place in my life where I just, I'm confident of the Lord's leading, I get a sense and a peace and awareness, I hear a spirit guide me, it's, no, it's not like, hey Chris, this is what I want you to do this week, no, but I mean, you, it could be as that clear confidentially, I mean, I can be that assured, but I don't hear a voice like that in case you think I'm one of those fruitcakes, okay, <laughs> but, but I'm saying to you, that the indwelling presence of God can lead us with that kind of confidence, as if you heard it like that. That you are that sure you're walking in submission to him on areas that he... That you're that sure you're responding to the direction he... Listen, you could not get me to be convinced I didn't get called into the ministry. I don't care how much you came up with. It's as if I heard from heaven itself, Hey, Chris, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. I'm calling you out into my harvest today. I didn't hear it like that, but I heard it like that. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I think God desires for us to have a relationship with his indwelling presence that we become that confident of his leadership in daily life, not just in the call of God for ministry, but in submission to his leadership in our life on a regular basis. And I don't want you to get all freaked out about it and think he's telling you whether you can wear a red shirt or a blue shirt today. It's not like that. I think there's things God doesn't care about. <laughs> I mean, you might go up to him and say, hey, hey, God, am I supposed to buy this blue shirt or this red? I don't care. But I think he does care that you want his opinion on the things that matter in life. And not just his opinion, but his direction and his leadership and the willingness to surrender to it once you know it. And when that kind of relationship's going on with you and God, it is a place of rest. <laughs> It's a place of sweet fellowship. And it, listen, it gets no better than that. Let's pray. Father. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about having a fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ, or you would like to know more about our church, you can visit us again at our website, lhfellowship.com. Or if you would like and you are in the Lexington area, please feel free on Sundays to stop by and worship with us. Our services are held each Sunday at 1015 a.m. We would love to see you there. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.